The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest and greatest edition of The Chris Sheeran Show. Uh, yeah, we're back again. Sorry for the, you know, delay in all of these. We're, we're back to regular schedule now after a, after a full six weeks of yo-yo-ism. Yes, it's, oh, yes. Uh, it's Lou DiPietro, of course. It's Chris Sheeran. That's me. And this is The Chris Sheeran Show. And you could... Uh, Download it to your smart devices, making you intelligent people by going to the iTunes podcast and typing in The Chris Sheeran Show, and uh, it'll pop up with my big noggin with my facial hair, you know, in, in happier times. The my, facial my, hair that magically disappears yeah. on April 1st is like an April Fool. You yeah, show my, up with no hair. My, my face in happier times. <laughs> in winter times. Yeah, but uh, my Nets face is gone. My Yankee face is here, and away we go. And wow, what a way to start the baseball season, huh? Pretty, pretty amazing, sis. You, you couldn't um, ask for a, uh, you couldn't ask for a stranger. You could ask for better because the Yankees could have won two games. Yeah, but you couldn't ask for a stranger or more exciting first three days of the season Let, for the Yankees. Let's start with Jose Bautista because I, I I commented on Facebook and immediately I was told by Lance Becker, someone who used to work at Yes, that Troy Benjamin disagrees with me, which is a shock. Why you got to hit you? Know, because Troy That's Benjamin Troy disagrees with everybody. But he waits for you to comment, and then he trolls you, uh, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook. And then he completely destroys your premise. So I just took, took one for the team, and I said, well, before Troy gets back to me, let me just say that I know I'm wrong, but that's my opinion. Anyway, moving on. This was my opinion. I have nothing wrong with the slide. The slide was to the rule. Uh, except for the fact that he slid past the bag. He didn't hold second base. He slid past the bag, and he apparently looked as if he was reaching out to grab Logan Forsythe, that's, which is where they called the... That's what, that's what just ticks me off. Anybody who's played second base or shortstop, I have nothing... There used to be guys, the, the rolling cross body block. Now look... That's what Chase Utley did to Ruben Tejada, right, which is why right. we have the rule in the first place. I'm not saying that... You know, we should say what John Gibbons said and what we're going to wear dresses. Hey, John, look at the replay. Well, there's no pockets for their cigarettes. If, if you dresses. If Ding. You, yeah, if you were going to play, if you were playing shortstop or second and you were turning that double play and someone, now I'm not saying he grabbed and tried to twist an ankle, but just going out and reaching out and touching any part of the foot or lower extremity, that is a bush thing to do. It's interference. The slide was to the letter of the law besides sliding over the bag. You can't you have to hold the bag. If you don't hold the bag, it's also interference. But he did slide directly for the bag. He didn't slide at the runner. It's that left hand going out or the right hand and trying to swipe at the foot. Drives me crazy. How could you defend that? What position did John Gibbons play in baseball? I don't know. I believe he was a catcher. I can look that up right now. I have the Google device. And another thing, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll talk about Gibby for a second here. Now, what he said, what are we going to wear dresses? Are we going to put them in dresses? John Gibbons was a catcher, yes. There are, I, I, he was on the Mets 86 championship team, but he was a catcher. There are people who think he should be fired for what he said. Are, are we are, are we serious? Somebody call the wambulance? Are, are we serious? He's, he's a throwback player. Um, if you put a microphone hidden into a dugout, you'd have to fire the manager and can about half the team during the season for the stuff that said in the dugout or in the locker room. 
Are, are we at a point in society where language would hurt someone more than a bullet? Well, it's very much probably part of the reason why Adam LaRoche doesn't play baseball anymore, and we went through that whole thing on our last podcast. Yeah. So I've heard things just within the general media availability said, many of them by Jabba Chamberlain, so just to be fair, but just that would make, make people blush. Look, you know, I have two daughters, okay? And if they were old enough to understand what he said and, and, you know, the context of what he said, and that hurt them to the point where they were upset, I would scream at my daughters. I don't want language to hurt my daughters. I don't want language to have my daughters, you know, go off the deep end and want somebody fired. I want them to have the intestinal fortitude to deflect and, you know what, be a little bit more intelligent and use language to get back at someone who said, be smarter. You know, face it head on, go around it, or face it head on and tell them something back that would supersede what they just said and have the upper hand in the conversation rather than hear it cower in a corner and beg for somebody to be fired for saying it. It's language. It's language. There's people on Facebook who want this guy out of his job. Yeah, because he's the way because of what he said, it's construed as sexist and oh my demeaning. God. Like I get it. But it's yeah. Go go into a clubhouse, go into a locker room with a hidden mic. Go ahead. I dare you. I play every Sunday. You, you should hear what we say to a guy who, who hits one right in front of the plate or a guy who, you know, I don't know, anything, any demeaning Does thing. Does something less than manly. Right. Way to put if it. you don't hit it past the ladies' tee in golf, yeah, there are ramifications for that. It's just the way it is. It's not sexist. It's not sexist. Well, it's, I mean, it is sort of, but yeah, no, you're right. It's not uh, really. It, it's like, it's, uh, I don't know. I, all I'm saying is I think we're a little hypersensitive. I think we're mm-hmm. with language and it's across the board. Now, there are some, as we both know, there are some gigantic no-nos that you could never say. And right. I get that. But I think we get mm-hmm. our collective undies in a bunch over the littlest things for no reason. For no reason. Oh, he said that? Oh, big deal. I, I am a CEO. I am very successful. I'm a, I don't care. I've probably said the same thing on a softball field, too, but nobody's calling for me to get fired because nobody heard it. But not only, That's the problem. Not only nobody that, heard it. I think if you have the strength and if you're intelligent and if you're at a point in your life where you're like, so what? I don't care. I, I'm a woman. I'm successful. I, well, yeah, ask Meredith what she thought about yeah. that or what she's heard in the clubhouse what, over her f- what am I, four years here. What is someone Five now. What, what is a woman who's successful really going to care about what he said? If I was a successful woman at 18, wow, would my life be different. But if I was a successful woman, that's a Frank Drebin line back mm-hmm. from Naked Gun. But if, if, if I was a successful woman... I would hear that and just say, ugh, what a puny little man. Uh, who cares what he has? You know, that's the attitude you have. Not fire him, but just say, ugh, what a disgusting thing to say and move on. And move on. Or say something derogatory about him. I already made the, I already made the there's no pockets for my cigarettes joke from a league of their own, so I'm tapped out. All right. There is no smoking. All there's right. also no drinking and no men. All right. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. 
Um, but as far as Bautista, I, I just think it was a Bush League play to reach out and grab the guy who's trying to turn to. Well, and I think the call was justified. And you know and what? For anybody to be upset about it, to me, in my opinion, is stupid. Right. And it's understandable. Um, and it's also... It's also made worse by the fact that it was Jose Bautista, who the last time we saw him in, in action was the bat flip that has started a six-month-long controversy in your head on bat flips. So maybe Jose Bautista is now getting a reputation as a, sh- as a showboat, as a dirty player, as whatever you want to call it. But it seems like he's at the, the forefront of... It's just ironic that he was the guy that did it. If it was Tulowitzki or Encarnacion mm-hmm. or Donaldson or anyone else on that he's team. He's got a lightning rod. He does. It he's might have been a little rod. less magnified. Right. And let's go back to the bat flip for a second because I know we talked about it and people got all over me on Twitter. I can't remember if we talked about it the last podcast. We did we? a little bit, yeah. And I, and I kept thinking about it. It's now it. a baseball card. Right. I mean, well, I kept thinking about it over the weekend and, and you know, I was like, you know, can you, as a player, can you show up an umpire? Nope. If you show up an umpire, what happens? Tossed. Okay. If you spit in his face, you get tossed, too. Roberto Alomar knows yes, that pretty well. But he's in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So that should be the picture. And John Hirschbeck owns a sports like bar. So, hey, everybody's happy. <laughs> Actually, he doesn't anymore. Closed. Uh, let, me, let me break this down, okay? I have if, – if it's spontaneous and, – and, and this goes mm-hmm. – listen – I want to amend this because I took heat on Twitter because I said if a player shows emotion in a big spot in the game, I really can't have too much to say about it because I do think baseball needs that. Um, But as we have said, I'm not going to change my mind on Bautista because it was the seventh inning. That's the ninth inning. He could turn around and throw that bat into the upper deck, and I wouldn't care. I wouldn't. No, we know that was the crux of the issue all along. That was the seventh inning. Right. As a, as a former player who, who played a lot, I've played baseball. I just did the math. I'm, not, I'm, I'm done this year. I just, I'm going to play sporadically mm-hmm. here and there. But I, I played my whole life through high school, and then I played 14 years post. And in my 14 years, I, I, I'll give you an example. My younger brother, who could hit the crap out of the ball, we're in the playoffs, and this goes back like eight years. We're in the playoffs. He smokes a home run, I mean, no doubt, or as soon as it came off the bat. And he screams, peace. <laughs> nice. Okay? The next batter comes up and takes one right between the numbers. And that guy started going out to the mound. I was coaching first. I had to run and grab him. And walk down the line with him and say, no, 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 no. My brother said peace after he hit the hole. I didn't hear that. Went, he took first. I had to calm him down a little bit, but he understood that. Self-policing. Self-policing, even in our league. I mean, that's the way we handled things. The whole time, the whole, my whole 14-year uh, post-high school career, you know, it was just, it was in our heads. That's the way baseball's played. And in my league... You know, if a pitcher hits you, you can't take it personally. We play once a week. We're out there. We throw the ball. If, if we try a two-seam fastball and it tails in and, it, and we don't throw it the right way, it's going to hit you. And immediately, you know, if I hit somebody and they go down to first, I give them the wave. Dude, I'm not trying to hit you. There are some guys in the league who think you are, and they're just 
completely moronic. And even if I give them the wave, they don't even look at me. And I'm just like, oh, whatever. Um, but no one ever wears it back if you do that. Hey, it was a mistake. You know, I don't do this all the time. I'm sorry. But going back to the whole bat flip thing, because this is what I thought about. If you can't show up an umpire and you get tossed from the game, why in the world would you show up a guy that you're supposed to mutually respect? And I got into this Twitter debate with one of Troy's friends. <clears throat> we kept going back and forth, and he's telling me he can't get his kid into baseball. His kid has no interest in baseball. Then I flat out said, without the, all the joking that was going back and forth, I said, fine, Chris, what, what, what do you suggest baseball does to make it more entertaining for the kids? He says, football has violence. Basketball has style and flair. Sure doesn't have fundamental basketball. Baseball has... At least not the ones I'm watching. He says baseball has nothing. So I said, well, I don't know what to tell you because baseball had me. Mm -mm. Baseball had me locked in from the time I was five. They didn't need to throw a bat. They didn't need to do this nonsense or showing up a pitcher or doing whatever. And then Mike Medvin, who, who also works at Yes, pitchers are so sensitive Wait a minute. Pitchers aren't sensitive. Here, let me break it down for you because I pitch. Again, not at the major league level, but let me, th let me throw it out there for you. A pitcher is on a literal and figurative island. Okay? Let's put, let's put a major league pitcher on that island. He's got eight guys around him and 16 more surrounding him that are counting on him and him alone. To keep that team in the game. When he throws a pitch and it gets scorched <laughs> out of the ballpark. And again, ninth inning walk-off, don't care what you do. You could show emotion. You can't lock it up. You can't lock it in. You do what you need to do. Because if a pitcher gets a big strikeout in the bottom of the ninth, he's pumping his fist and he's getting pumped up too. No problem with that. Game is over. Deal with it. You struck out. You gave up a gopher ball. Deal with it. During the game, though, especially in the third inning, I equate a first-inning bat flip to a guy in the first drive of an NFL game getting a first down, popping up, and making the first down sign. Yeah, you did your job. Go back in the huddle, shut your mouth. Yeah, I can see that. I, so, I understand that. So what all these guys are telling me is <clears throat> Barry Sanders was awful for the game of football. He was awful. One of the best running backs in the history of the league was bad for football because when he got to the end zone, he flipped the ball to the official act like you've been there before. And then they say, well, baseball needs players like that. Baseball needs personalities. And I have a way to fix it. And I'm going to shut up and let you talk. I'm sorry, but I've, I've been thinking about this for a while. I have a way to fix it. When I grew up late seventies, early eighties, you didn't have any grab ass and going around before the game. Carlton Fisk, and Thurman Munson hated each other. Yeah. Teams hated each other. You didn't have Alex Rodriguez and David Ortiz sitting there before the game exchanging pleasantries. You were there to play and you were there to win. It looked more like Major League where he's like, going to light your ass up, me. Exactly. Yeah. You want... It, here, the best example I gave that guy on Twitter, that guy Chris that was going back and forth with me, I said, I get it. I know exactly what you're saying. How about McEnroe in tennis? McEnroe Connors, McEnroe Borg. Those matches were epic. 
epic. You had personality. You had great tennis going on. There's none of that because they're all buddy-buddy. Yeah. They're all friends. No one cares. The check, the absolute monumental check is still clearing. Those guys in the late 70s and the early 80s, they weren't making this money. Unless you were Reggie Jackson. But not everybody was making that money. So these guys grinded. They, they wanted to win. It started... <clears throat> it wasn't about the money. It was about the game. See, the thing about that is that that, that has a lot to do with free agency and all these contracts. I because back it. in the day... You were a Yankee, you were a Yankee for life. You were a Red Sox, you were a Red Sox for life unless they traded you. Right. Now it's like... And it meant something. Now, I mean, look at Jacoby Ellsbury. Went from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Look at Johnny Damon went from the Red Sox to the Yankees. And there's guys that have gone in reverse. Boggs. Damon and Boggs were a big deal when they became Yankees. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God, they flipped sides in the rivalry. Ellsbury, it's like, oh, yeah, he took the money. Exactly. David Price and David Ortiz did not have the best relationship in Price's previous life. You know what? As a non-Red Sox. And we can go back 20 years, too. Just two decades mm-hmm. to 1996. Do you remember that Orioles-Yankees brawl? Mm-hmm. They hated each other. Hated each other. That was theater. That was entertainment. And who I'm was not on saying- that 1996 Orioles team that later became a Yankee? Armando Benitez. And who else was on that team? Sidney Ponson. And who else was on that team? <laughs> You're killing me. Tony Tarasco. Tony Tarasco. And who else was on Moose. <laughs> I'm going for Mike Messina here. <laughs> you did mention, however, three guys on that team that did legitimately become Yankees at some point. Uh, but, I mean, you know, Mike Messina lived both sides of that. Yeah. And, I mean, if you ask the guys if it was more intense back then than it is now... They will absolutely 100% say yes. And it wasn't only intense. I mean, fans still hold that contempt for the other team. They still do, but the players don't. And I think that's one of the major reasons why baseball is suffering right now. And if you want to fix baseball too, opening day Mets-Royals, 8.38 first pitch on a Sunday. On a Sunday night in April. How does a little kid who's waited for the Mets to start the season as a Met fan stay up for that entire game when they have to go to school the next day? How do they do it? That is one thing that also could be and the pace of play initiatives opening uh, in part help that. Day. Right. The, the, that's that's part of what the pace of play initiatives are attempting to help remedy is the 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 game time and lateness of games. Didn't help last night when the game ended at oh, 10 God. minutes 10 minutes to 11. That, that, that um, game was unbelievable. And it didn't really help on opening day when the game went three hours and 20 minutes or mm-hmm. whatever it was either. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's opening day. It's a Sunday. That game should have been 7 have, o'clock. It should have been 1 o'clock. It should have been 4 o'clock. Give the kids a chance to watch the damn game. 7 o'clock even. I know that's ESPN's window for Sunday Night Baseball, but still. I, I just I, I hate During it. the summer, that works. I absolutely hate it. During the summer, it's fine. Not opening day. Opening day, everyone should be able to enjoy the game. Everyone. Especially the players. You're playing in Kansas City at 8.30 at night. Which is, seven. to be fair, 7.30 Kansas City time, but I, still. I get it. I get it. But <clears throat> well, Sunday night baseball games on the West Coast are 5 o'clock, so that's not... This is one thing I hate, and we can get into this, too, if you want, as an aside, before we get back into baseball. Mm-hmm. Why did the national championship game start at 20 after 9? My, wife was, my wife's a Villanova alum. Mm-hmm. She's thrilled oh, that they won the national championship. Yeah, why wouldn't she be? I'm pissed because not only am I a Carolina fan, but I also didn't 
if they won the national title, I would have stood to have done very well in some extracurricular uh, nice. college basketball activities. Nice. She was up till midnight. The game ended at 11.47, I think. What a game. My God. What a great game, yes. My God. But that game ended at 11.47 p.m. Yeah. Now, I understand CBS, TBS, they're, they're acquired. Sorry, I had to pull up my pants. You could start that at 8 o'clock. I, I understand their, their attempt to appease all segments of society, and it's airing live on the West Coast. So then don't make it a Monday night. This is true. Play the final four on Saturday afternoon and the last game on Sunday night. Play them back to back. They're going to have to get used to it if they're all going to the NBA. Yeah, it's true. The Hell, the lockout season, too. the Nets played two back to back to backs in the lockout season. That's true. So there Three you go. You want your moment? You got to play two games in a row. Have the final four be at two and four on Saturday at two and four thirty at Saturday afternoon. And then 4 o'clock on Sunday is the national championship game. It's all about the ad money, dude. That'll never happen. Plus, it preempted CBS's fantastic Monday night lineup of whatever the hell they have on. <laughs> so, Hey, don't sleep on CBS's uh, I watch, Monday night lineup. I watch wrestling on Monday nights. Yeah. I don't know what's on TV. I don't and either. Dancing with the Stars, which is back. And since we're talking about TV, I'm going to turn our listeners on to something. If you have Netflix, Donnie Marshall told me to start watching this. There's only 14 episodes. <laughs> I'm all about the BBC right now. I love... The Beeb? I love the British shows. I love this British stuff and I may move to yeah, England. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I'm telling you. Luther with Idris Elba. You will love it. Hmm. It is graphic. He's a, he's a um, homicide detective. And it's graphic. And it's not like an American show where the cops get there just in time. Dung, dung. People get... You know what? Up. <laughs> you remember how I told you last week about John Mulaney's New York Post bit? Yeah. He also has one on Law and Order. That's worth looking I'll up. To, I'll have to check that out, too. But Oh, is something wrong? Well, the cops are here asking you about her. So, yeah, yeah. something's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Luther. Luther on Netflix. Look it if, up and, and check it out. And if you're like me and a little bit more closer to the millennial generation, Fuller House. No. Not happening. We watched all – we slogged through all 13. It was, it was a slog. Stephanie Tanner grew up you're to be just, a lovely, lovely woman. You're just watching it for Fuller Blouse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm watching Dancing with the Stars because uh, uh, Jody Sweeten is on it. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, Von Miller and Antonio Brown are both on it, which is interesting because Antonio Brown's got a personality. Von Miller really doesn't, uh, which is kind of weird. Doug Flutie is on it. I, I can't watch those shows. Which is interesting. And, um, I apologize. And Paige Van Zant from UFC. Pretty kick-ass chick. She's also not bad on the eyes. Uh, she's on there. And uh, Geraldo got eliminated in week one, but Geraldo was on there, which is always good for some hijinks. Oh, and uh, Wanye from Boys to Men. Who? The big guy from Boys to Men. Wanye? Yeah. Any relation to Kanye? Or? No. Wanye Morris, from the big guy from Boys to Men. Yeah. With the deep voice. So it's literally like an all-star cast of people I enjoy. Because, I mean, we have multiple NFL players. Injection Steph photos. Stephanie Tanner. Paige Van Zant, one of the dudes from Boys to Men. Marla Maples is on it, which is interesting. I'm pulling the ejector seat. Yeah. I'm out. It's fun. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't watch it on the I – like, I, I used to watch it back in the day in an older podcast incarnation of my life. I used to do the Dancing with the Stars review. Uh -huh. Now I just – I watch it based on the cast. Yeah, I uh, 
if I'm, I don't care about the people. It's like Survivor. If I don't care about the people on the cast, I don't care about the season. I'm all about my Netflix, and I DVR Better Call Saul. Um, I got rid of Law & Order because I can't stand the politics in that show. Dung, dung. It drives me up a wall. I want to rip my TV off the wall and throw it out the window. Dung, dung. Uh, the Blacklist is another one I DVR. Uh, O.J. Simpson, that just ended. Yeah, I'm halfway through uh, it. The people. It's amazing. Oh, he, they find him guilty in this one. <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah, I'm half, I, I'm halfway through it. I, I binge watched. I waited on that. Mm-hmm. And I binge watched the first three episodes before I went to Tampa. Okay. And then when I came back, I watched the next two and I'm saving, like, I'm going to binge watch the last like, are you six up, hours. Are again. you up to the Furman yet? I am up to. The tapes, the Furman tapes. No, I am up to the first episode with the full trial. That guy is the reason the state lost that case. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Yeah. And uh, you can say what you want about Johnny Cochran. Did his job. Yeah. I'm up to if it don't fit, you must quit. So that's he did his episode job. five, I guess. Yeah. The the prosecution just ugh. I think I mentioned it last week. Boy, did or, they bumble that case. I think up. I mentioned and, and the it last jury week. took four hours. No, no, no. Half a day. Yeah. Half a day to deliberate. I think I mentioned it last week, but it's amazing how spot on um several of the, the major actors reprisals of the, the actual Darden looks just almost exactly. Sterling K. Brown looks exactly like Christopher Darden. Image almost. Yeah, and Sarah Paulson as Marsha Clark. Like Marsha Clark great. was on Ellen a few yeah, weeks yeah, ago, yeah. and my wife DVRs Ellen because uh-huh. she loves Ellen. Yeah, she's and I saw, funny as hell. I saw. Well, I, I catch bits and pieces. She usually has it on. She DVRs it and then watches it like mm-hmm. before I get home while she's making dinner or doing whatever she's doing before I get home. And uh, I saw she had a few built up, and I saw that Marsha Clark was on, so I actually watched it. Because I know Marsha Clark became a – she wrote a book about her experience and has written a few other books. And I'll be damned if Sarah Paulson doesn't look now in that show like Marsha Clark exactly, like mm-hmm. dead on ringer. It's amazing. The hair. The hairstyles. The too. hair. The facial expressions. Uh-huh. Just – and the same thing with, uh, with Courtney B. Vance as Johnny Cochran. Yeah, he's great. <sighs> John Travolta did a tremendous job. As Bob Shapiro. Nathan Lane looks like Nathan Lane, so yeah. that's kind of tough, but yeah. – even like even Cuba definitely has an OJ vibe to him. Like yeah. even though Cuba Gooding Jr. has a distinct that's Cuba Gooding Jr. look, he and definitely did, got an OJ vibe to did, him. Did Fred Goldman play Fred Goldman? I mean, that guy looked exactly like him. Yeah. And it's another Oh one. my God. The other one that has that way too like his twin brother. The other one that has way too distinct of a look for me is uh, the guy that played Gil Garcetti. Yeah. He just he just has too distinct of a look for me. Mostly because I, I associate him with you know how I guess I guess Danny Trejo is one of these actors who you associate mm-hmm. him with like one role or typecast, yeah. Not even typecast, but you just associate him. Not even typecast. You just associate him. No matter what he's been in or she's been in, you just associate them. Associate them with that one role, and you go, "Oh, that's mm-hmm. blah blah blah." Mm-hmm. That's how I associate the guy that played Gil Garcetti because he's in Double Jeopardy. Okay, which I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a Tommy Lee Jones Ashley Judd movie. No, my sister in law is in it. Really? She plays a um, not quite body double, but like there's a couple scenes where Ashley Judd is not facially shown, mm-hmm. and my sister-in-law plays her stunt double, gotcha. body double, for mm-hmm. lack of a better way to put it. Um, Ashley Judd's husband is... Is she nude? No. <laughs> 
Now that would be really weird. Uh, um, but in the movie, basically, uh, the guy that plays Gil Garcetti uh. in um, was he the bad guy? O.J. Simpson in that movie? Yeah, and I'm, I'm blanking on his name, and I want to I want to give him his proper credit. I was looking at that guy because um, I know I've seen him in other things. I just can't place him. So what it is is Ashley Judd gets framed for murdering her husband, sent to prison. Mm-hmm. She knows she's been framed, and she spends the entire rest of the movie with the assist of Tommy Lee Jones, who originally plays her, like, halfway house probation officer, um, finally tracks him down in New Orleans and kills him. And she can't be tried because it's double jeopardy. Mm-hmm. She's already been she's already been convicted and served time for killing him, so she can't do it again. And that, that's the premise of the movie. But he plays her husband and eventual New Orleans well-to-do man about town. And that's where I'm like, oh, my God, that's Jonathan Devereaux. Like, that, that's, <laughs> so you couldn't get that out of your head. I couldn't get that out of my head. Bruce Greenwood is his name. Um, he did a good job, though. He did. He's also appeared in Mad Men, St. Elsewhere, Knott's Landing, uh, Star Trek films. That's, that's where I know him from. Various other things. I'm looking at his filmography right now. Um. I don't mm-hmm. want to ruin anything for you, and I know that sounds stupid with this particular show because we all know the outcome, but what you don't know uh, is the certain relationships between these people in the trial. Like, there's something between Johnny Cochran and Chris Darden after the trial, after the verdict. There's something that, you know, will hit you across the face with Kardashian and OJ after the verdict. Kardashian just says, I'm out. No, I, I know. Yeah, the, yeah, I know yeah, the storylines yeah. behind yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, you know, it, it it goes back, and I tell everybody this. I say, go on YouTube and watch the verdict, and watch Kardashian's face when they say not guilty, and watch his reaction. And if and I knew it at that moment when 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 it came down in 1995, I was like, did you did you just see his face? Did he, you just see his reaction? He knew OJ did it all along. That's the that's what they were. Have you read the book or know of the book? I haven't. Okay. My dad did. Okay. Um, because my dad, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this. My dad watched, he had just retired. Yeah, the whole, the watched whole trial. The whole thing. So right. he read the book when it came out. Um, my brother worked nights. He was in front of the TV yeah. every freaking day. And the thing they're trying to portray, and, and Bob Kardashian, unfortunately, is no longer alive to corroborate this mm-hmm. in any way, is that, like, he really thought OJ did it mm-hmm. the whole way mm-hmm. and still did mm-hmm. after the verdict. Yeah. Like couldn't believe that they bungled it that bad. That's why he didn't want to be, you know, in the earlier episodes when they bring him on the legal team. He didn't want to be on He didn't want to be on it because he didn't want to be, not only was he OJ's friend and close confidant, but he didn't want to be part of the team that possibly like, so, Hello? That's, that's my phone. I mean, you could just let it go. He didn't want to be part of the team that got OJ sent up the river, I don't think, because he kind of well, had an inkling that he did Shapiro it. Shapiro wanted to take a plea. Yeah, that's, that's, in, the, that's in the, the fifth episode, he, I think. He, yeah, he thinks, oh, we should take a plea. And Travolta did such a great job with that. And uh, I'm going to take the deal. The thing here, there are so many like ins and outs to the case. But Furman is the reason why that guy walked out of that courtroom a free man. Him and him alone. And those tapes, those 13 tapes, and he said he was, he was playing a character for this woman who was writing a screenplay or something. 
and Jim Norton, who we're going to see tonight, mm-hmm. said, I can't do Chip Chipperson for 13 tapes. <laughs> he was not playing a character. Yeah. So, he wouldn't have been a LAPD detective. He would have been a very large Hollywood actor if he could yeah, do that for yeah, 13 yeah, yeah. tapes. So that gets into the jury's head. And I don't care if they're sequestered. They still have conjugal visits. They're still being talked to by people from the outside. You can't police that, especially for eight months. Yeah. Something's going to get back to the jury. And you saw, I don't know if you're to the point where they're starting to show the jury in their process, but they kind of interwove that they finally stopped showing the Kardashians for crying out loud. Jesus. But I love the fact with Bob in the restaurant. Selma Blair, another one, looked exactly like Chris Jenner. Yeah, yeah. Or Chris yeah. Kardashian yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, but when they're in the restaurant and the the server says, Oh, I recognize you, you could go sit anywhere, and the girls start, you know, this is fame. Like it starts they're, they're trying to portray you're that. You're talking in about their the head. fathers where they go out with you're talking about where Kim Kardashian Robert and Carda- Chloe right, go out. Yeah, right, right, right. Robert Kardashian. The, yeah. They, and they go sit down mm-hmm. and This is Robert Kardashian. Everybody hated the fact that they were in there like Almost shoehorned in. But I think what FX and the people who made this were trying to do were trying to slap them across the face. And here's why. Because he sat at the table and he, his script was, it's not about being famous. It was something like that. It was something along those mm-hmm. lines. He says, this, isn't fa- this is not how you want fame. And now there's a book out. It's exactly how the Kardashian empire was built. And... This, this this just shows you, if this is true, where he was as a father, which after seeing this, and I have to read the book now too, but after seeing this, if that's really a true portrayal of him, I have more respect for him than I do for, for the entire family um, that he left behind. But he, uh, ah, God, she, there's a book that's coming out, and who is it? It's um, a guy that's always on Opie and Jimmy. And his name is escaping me right now. Um, I have to look it up. If I had my phone in front of me, I can get it on Twitter. But uh, he, he has this book about the Kardashians and Kris Jenner. And apparently he's reporting in this book, and it's alleged, but sh- her mother is the one that shopped her Ray J tape. Chris, you mean Kris Jenner is the yes. one that shopped it? Yes. She's the well, one who leaked it and got see, it out See, is, 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 the thing is, and now he's also saying, too, that the marriage between Kanye and Kim was a set thing. She wanted someone, and it was down to like Justin Bieber, Kanye West, and uh, Nick Young. If you could Swaggy it. P. Swaggy P. According to this book that's coming out, there you know little things are being leaked. But Bob Kardashian, God rest his soul, is you know on top of Mount Olympus, and this woman is in the swamp where the Legion of Doom is. She is terrible. It's a combination. She of, is a terrible human. It's a being, combination of three it's things. True. It's a combination of three things, is what it is. And FX showed a little bit of that with, like you said, with their, with David Schwimmer's portrayal of Robert Kardashian and yeah. what Jeffrey Tubin wrote in the book. Right. Um, a the OJ thing making him, uh, you know, making him a public figure and the kids seeing that and wanting a better. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't hurting. Their dad was a very prominent defense right, attorney. Right. They weren't hurting for money. They weren't exactly living in, in Compton. They weren't in squalor, that's yeah. for sure. It's that, A. B, the fact that Chris Jenner, Kardashian, married Bruce Jenner, who himself was a very famous public figure, and then Kim deciding to let her one night with Brandy's brother 
<laughs> hit the internet. Yeah, yeah. And so, boom, there it goes. I just had to say that. If, if that's true, she is lower than pond scum. By the way, if you're into that whole situation, Ray J has a diss track on Kanye called I Hit It First. See, you should and, go check that out. No, no thanks. Okay. I, I don't need to hear that. But again, we're, we're, the thing that gets lost in everybody's eyes when it comes to this OJ verdict and, and, and that all that crap back in the day, the two people who were <clears throat> brutally murdered and Ron and Nicole, you know, everything is pointed. They, they were even bringing up the Rodney King situation. And, you know, Mark Furman goes on trial instead of OJ Simpson. Now, that's the prosecution's fault for not vetting that idiot. Um, and now he's a commentator on Fox News. The other thing, too, is like how you see how Marsha Clark, and she talked about this a little yeah. bit on Ellen, and I'm assuming it's in her book about the whole scenario. Isn't it amazing, Susan? Is that she kind of went from, like, this is a slam dunk. Why do we need to let this famous guy walk? We need to make an example to, like, I know there's no way we're going to get him, uh, like, convicted to, oh, bleep, we're bleeped yeah like it just it just went throughout the course like and marcia clark's closing arguments were like a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth at the world series at home to win the series yeah. get a walk-off game seven world series grand slam it was it was tremendous can't hit a walk-off on the road here's the defendant's blood here it is at the scene here's the defendant's blood at the at, at bundy here it is at Rockingham. Here's the defendant's hair at Bundy. Here it is at Rockingham. <laughs> Here it is in the... They didn't listen. And, you know, you're going to watch it, but the jurors go into the room. It's not really a spoiler alert because really no. it's already happened. But, and you know about it. But the jurors go into the room. They sit down and they do like a hidden ballot. Ten not guilty. Two guilty. The ten not guilties... African-Americans. The two guilties? Non-African-Americans. Because they had like a, they had, didn't the jury, like one Asian woman and one, I'm, a white guy? Am I wrong on that? I don't think, no, no. They lost a lot of them. Because that's the last episode I saw was them, like the jury selection and the Robert Kardashian at, and they're just, oh, well, getting, you're into, see, they're they, just getting into the they trial. Lose, they lose that guy. They lose, okay. they lose a lot of the jurors. They were down you know, to the point where it got into a pissing match between the defense and the prosecution about yeah. what jurors, because they have their board, who they think they have for guilty, who they think they have for not guilty, and they try to, you know, they, they, they go back and they look at their records. If they have a police record, there were a couple that had domestic violence. No, and I saw the scene with like the, and... the the woman on the stand testifying as part of the jury. Like, how's your experience with police? Experience? Like that? Like that's the last yeah, episode. Yeah, I had. Yeah, so yeah, it's okay. either four or five. I got you. So you're in for it. You, I'll let you enjoy it. Let, let's talk about some other controversy because we we haven't talked much about the Yankees in the first forty minutes of this podcast, and well, we, we really should. It's a Yankees podcast. Save the best for last. Um, let's talk about what Dana Demuth. Okay. And Joe Girardi basically said after Monday, Tuesday's game, that Dylan Batanza should have hit Carlos Correa in the back with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball on the run to first base. Now, of all the things we've talked about in the life of this podcast, mm -hmm. rule changes have come up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And the slide rule, we opened this podcast with it. We talked about it when it happened to, to Ruben Tejada, mm -hmm. which is funny. Somebody tweeted that the Dodgers chase Utley – took out the Cardinals' Ruben Tejada to lose the Mets a game, and the, the Blue Jays paid for it. Yeah. 
this year, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny mm-hmm. when you think about it. But rule changes have come up quite a bit, and the slide rule and this and that. This may be the next rule that needs to be looked at because there's no replay that can show Carlos Correa anywhere near the baseline. And I understand what Dana Demuth said about, well, he didn't, he didn't make a clear throw to first base, and I understand the way the rule is written. But when the manager of the team that loses the game and you know, didn't file the protest comes out and says, someone with pretty good knowledge of it told me that if he had drilled him in the back, Correa would have been called out. Mm-hmm. And then Dana Demuth basically says, yes, the umpire, the crew chief of the umpiring crew, who's been a major league umpire for a long time and is a pretty good one, said, yeah, pretty much. So let me ask this of Joe Torrey and the competition committee and all that. Mm -hmm. If Batances had hit Correa in the ass with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball throwing to first base, Mm -hmm. and he – or he hit him in the back and he fractures his scapula – and the rookie of the year, the most exciting player in baseball in some people's eyes, a guy who's hit is out for three, three home runs in, in two games, is out for three months. This entire thing would be like, oh, my God. And it'd be a witch hunt on Dellen Batances. No, Dellen, so explain that to me. Dellen, Dellen did the, uh, the right thing. Now, there is an angle of this play down the first baseline. And... It's a still before it rolls. And you could see Teixeira as a first baseman. And if you've ever played first base in your life, you know. On a play like that, where it's out in front of the plate, you're screaming to the catcher inside or outside. Or in this case, to Dylan Batances, he's screaming to him. Teixeira was set up for an inside throw. That means inside the baseline. So he's in the field waiting for that throw. Mm -hmm. He's giving Batances... That target, Teixeira, is right-handed. He's got the glove on the left hand. So his glove is extended to the inside. But what you can't see on that angle is if Correa, who was pretty much... He was on the grass. On the grass. He was on the grass. The, the, there's some stills where it's kind of funny. Both feet are up in the air, and you could see his shadow projecting well in on the grass. So... What I haven't seen is an angle from the other end, and I'm breaking this down like the freaking Zapruder film, but I haven't seen an angle from the other end. Uh, to I see would, where, where Batances' line third of vision base, was. The third base behind home plate right? where Batances' line of vision is. Now, if he picks up that ball. Well, you're not going to get that camera because you'd see Ninja Turtles and unicorns. <laughs> but if he picks up that ball and all he sees is the back of Correa's jersey, he's got no other recourse other than to shot put the ball the mm-hmm. way he did lollipop it down the right field line because if he doesn't exactly what Lou said is, is going to happen now according to the way the rule is written and I, I read it like 15 times a it's a judgment call by the umpire b you can't protest a judgment call by the umpire so even though the game is under protest the Yankees are not going to win that protest so no they didn't file it Sure, uh, already said he didn't follow. And you so could, oh, they didn't. Happen, okay. Yeah. So you could say all you want about Joe Girardi and how he was lit up and how mm-hmm. he argued for no reason. And I think, Mark, but let me say something first about Girardi. He's spot on. The first thing he said when Meredith Morakovitz asked him that question was basically what, hit, what Dana DeMuth said was he wants Dellen to drill him in the back. And I don't think baseball wants that. 
No, that's the, the perfect answer for the reason I just said. The perfect answer. But Mark Teixeira said this after the game, and I thought it was beautiful. He said, think about football. Think about in the NFL, pass interference. If, they, if there's pass interference, but the pass sails out of bounds, it's waved off. And that's ex- he said, I let Joe have his piece, but I kind of knew what the decision was going to be. I had no chance to catch that ball. Right. And he was being Because honest. it was over my head. And that's what Dana DeMuth said as well, that it was the throw was so far off that there was no chance. But Dana DeMuth has to say to himself, okay, he had to throw it like that or he was going to physically harm him. He's out. Right. Interference. What that I think, should have been the call. And, it wouldn't have, you know, and you would have had the Astros going nuts. What I think should come of this... The rule has to change. I, I don't the necessarily, language has to I don't change. want to necessarily say needs to come of this, but what should come of this is making that reviewable. Right. Because that's the crux of the issue. That's right. The other not crux of the issue. Either. It's not a reviewable play. It's a judgment call. Mm-hmm. That's a simple and easy solution to make sure that Carlos Correa doesn't miss four months with a fractured scapula mm-hmm. because Dellen Batances winged a 98-mile-an-hour fastball straight and into his left shoulder. That's basically what Demuth said he should have done. Right. Dana Demuth should probably be like reprimanded for that in some way. He cause, should because that that's that's a black eye on Major League Baseball. And you know what? The next day, Correa. I, I said, I know I hate the fraternization, but Correa should have went up to Batances and said, "Hey, thanks for not drilling me in the back." Yeah. And I would have said, "You ever do that again? It's coming." I I, I kind of thought once the game was out of hand last night that when he came up for the fourth time that Nova was going to drill Correa in the back for the mm-hmm. hell of it. He didn't. And Nova pitched well last night. He did. I think he threw 61 pitches. In very four, well. Like, very, That's very ex- efficient. That is exactly what they needed to see out of him. But, um, yeah, I, I, after, he hit the, after he hit two home runs and one on opening day and that play, I thought he was going to take one in the, in the ribs, but he didn't. And you know what? Batances put it on him to begin with anyway because he said – Lead-off walk. Yeah. Can't yeah. come in and, and walk the leadoff guy. Yeah. Especially Altuve. Oh, man. Yeah. Who's a, so, who's a nightmare on the base bouts. Yeah. So I think what, what should come of that, and it's a simple solution to make sure that something like that doesn't happen, because if if Batances had drilled him in the back and Correa even missed a game because of a rib contusion or whatever the buzzword would be, yeah. people would be all over him yes. for doing that. Yes. Even though by the letter of the law, he would have been correct. He would have been right, so. according to the umpire. But you know what? So now, it should be a reviewable Now call. DeMuth has set that precedent. Even though it's a judgment call... For singular umpires, every umpire doesn't have the same judgment. Everybody's going to judge it differently. Everybody has the, you know, everybody sees the same thing, but their perception is right. different than everybody else's reality. So, if another umpire, if, if another player hears that, gets it into his head, a pitcher, guess what's going to happen? Someone's going to get drilled in the back. Someone's going to get drilled. Yep. So that's what Joe Torre, like Lou said, that's what Joe Torre and the competition committee have to, you know, circle the wagons and say. Uh, we gotta nip, we gotta nip this in the bud. Hold on now. Let's make this reviewable. Yeah, we're not getting players hurt. Joe Girardi was one hundred percent right, and there were people. You know, I say it every year. The vitriol on Twitter. It, it, it sometimes I, I get it, but sometimes it's just it's stupid. Like people getting on Joe Girardi for, uh, you know, there was a hashtag going around: "LOL Yankees protesting the first game." And I said, I don't care if it's game one or game 162. You, you, you copied my tweet in that tweet as well, yes. Yes. I said, yeah. I had tweeted about it. 
I unfortunately wasn't there. Hey, due to some personal issues. In September, when you need that win to get in the playoffs, yeah, all 162 count, Buckaroos, all of them. Yeah. Now, how many games did the Astros finish behind the Yankees in the wild card race last year? One game. Yeah, there it is, right there. So you could have all the vitriol you want on Twitter for the Yankee manager, and everybody could, you know, the binder and everything else. I think he's one of the best managers in the day. Wins, I wins, do. Wins on April fifth. I do. Or April sixth and April seventh. And and you can and you can on. you could kill me all you want. I think he's one of the best managers in the damn game. And I know he he rests guys maybe a little too much, and he. You know, Tanaka only threw, what, 87 pitches on opening day? Yeah. But what are you going to hold him out there for, 110? He, uh, he's, he's a little too much by the book for people's liking. I, I get where the vitriol comes I from. I get it, but in that situation, so what are you supposed to do as a manager? Show your players, ah, it's only the first game. We'll be fine. Go out there and argue. Not to mention that it's 35 degrees. Not to mention that yeah. you know, he's got a pitch on regular rest, yes. which is something they're trying to avoid. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, but... My last point about that was with the slide rule. Being, Sorry, I interrupted. No, with the slide rule being reviewable and that being a form of interference and this and that, any sort of interference should be a reviewable, reviewable. Thing. I I completely agree with you. That that's they have to do that. Yep. It's not gonna you know it's not gonna slow the game down. And with anymore. the collective bargaining agreement coming up at the end of this year, yeah. yeah. The collective bargaining agreement coming up at the end of this year, maybe that'll get taken care of, but. As it comes to the games themselves, I mean, we could break down the first two. It's it's not anything earth-shattering. The Yankees finally scored off Dallas Keuchel. Which was nice. Tanaka gave up the home run to Cray, and then Batances opened the floodgates based on that play, and that was it for game one. Yesterday, Colin McHugh didn't get out of the first inning. and Wait, a third of an inning? Yeah. 135 ERA. How many walks? Uh, Three, four? Something like that, yeah. yeah. A few hits. They batted... Alex Rodriguez made the last out of the inning in his second at bat. So was it 12, <laughs> 12 or 13, 12 guys came to the plate. But Starlin Castro mm-hmm. is, is balling. Um, seven I, ribbies in two games I guess in, in that a, game. I guess he's a true Yankee. Yeah. Seven ribbies in that game and what, nine? Or is it, was I think it five has, yesterday? No, five seven yesterday, total. seven overall. And uh, only three other Yankees in the history of the team have seven through two games, and one of those players is Babe Ruth. They showed a stat on SportsCenter this morning. Um, from uh, Carlos Correa's three home runs, mm-hmm. that from 1900 to 2015, three middle infielders hit three or more home runs in the first two games of the season. Three guys have done it this year. Correa, Robbie Cano, who hit three homers mm-hmm. in one game the other day, and Trevor Story, who's, Trevor Story who's is quite a story, a story yeah. <laughs> filling that in for Jose guy. Reyes out yeah, there in yeah, Colorado. Yeah. Now, granted, that's Colorado. And granted, Cano, I know he's swinging well, but he's in Texas. Texas. Yeah. But still, the fact that Carlos Correa, Robinson Cano, and Trevor Story, the three of them did something that only three guys, period, had done in 115 that's, years is pretty impressive. That's incredible. But you know the middle infielders are different than they were, were back then. Yeah. There's not a, lot, a of Oz, lot. not a lot of Ozzie Smiths getting a lot of playing time these, these no. days. Not a lot of Ray Ordonez. Should we should we break our news a little bit? Can we? We can talk about looking into it. Yes. Yeah, we can. As we we can we can look ahead. Next week we'll be back to our regular, regularly scheduled regular rotation. We'll yeah. have we'll have some goodness for you on Thursday. Yep. Um, Devin Devin is coming on Thursday. Yep. Um, 
Also, we should try to see if your boy Donnie Marshall is available. He well. is. He said he'd do it. Okay, great. He's, uh, he's on the road with the Nets now, but as soon as he gets home, he right. said he's done. So. so the Nets season ends next Wednesday. Correct. Uh, so then Thursday we'll be able to break it all down. Um, Maybe we could have Devin <clears throat> and Donnie on the same show. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to ask Donnie this as well. I don't know if you saw this today, but apparently uh, Danielle Marshall, mm-hmm. Donnie's teammate mm-hmm. and the Marshalls at UConn, is now mm-hmm. going to be the coach at Central Connecticut State. Oh, look at him. Another one off the uh, the Jim Calhoun tree. They still have the dreads or no? I, I didn't see a picture. Okay. I just saw the news. I just throw that out. I haven't thought anything about Danielle Marshall since he was with the Timberwolves twenty years ago, but mm-hmm. he's apparently now going to be a Division One head coach. So that's that's something in yeah. his in his his home state. I mm-hmm. put home in quotes because you know he went to UConn. So. He talks to Ray Ray all the time too. He Donnie could, does. Yeah, he could still be playing. If Jason Terry's still playing, Ray Allen could somebody still be somebody playing. can have a job for Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yes, absolutely, love it. This is the 20 year anniversary this year was of that epic Ray Allen Allen Iverson battle in the in the Big 20 East Finals. Years? Yeah, ninety six. Oh my god! Eh. UConn Georgetown, happier times for Troy Benjamin. Hoya sexa. That's the third Troy Benjamin reference. Make it Troy's four. Get, Troy's getting some love today. Yeah, he don't listen, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but he yeah, laughed. this was th- he that was at this podcast. That was the '96 Big East uh, championship. Wow. What year was that one with Syracuse and UConn? 2009. What was that like six overtime? Yeah, that was McNamara on that team for Syracuse. Yep. And what's his face was on UConn? Um, Kemba. No. Was he on that team? I think he might have been. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, that was unbelievable. I was DJing. Back Johnny then. Flynn was on the Syracuse team. The bar closes at two. We were open, I think, till three that night because yeah. people didn't want to leave. They wanted to see the end of the damn mm-hmm. game. Yeah, it was just epic. I remember watching it in the ha- in the house because I remember where I was, so I know what year it was because that was the only March Madness I lived in this particular apartment. So gotcha. that's why I know it was two thousand nine. Um, so the news is, uh, when we do this podcast. I guess it's going to be... We're going to go do a little Facebook Live? Yeah, we're going to do Facebook Live. We've periscoped a little bit. We have, but Facebook Live is where it's going. We, we heard that early this morning. So... We're going to look into that. In it'll, the, in and will weeks. it live on Facebook? So you can just click and watch we're it? Looking into this, we're looking into the logistics of everything so that do we still need to record this? So like, do we have to get dressed up now? No, that's the joy of this podcast. Have you ever seen Craig Carton in the morning? I, no, on CBS I, I don't Sports, listen and I don't watch. Dude wears like t-shirts to work and everything. Like we can, I mean, we're normally dressed for work anyway. It's not my cup of tea. You're wearing the suit mullet most days. Not yeah. today because you're, you know, you're off today. But no you're Michael K. Come in. No Michael K. No Yankee uh, responsibilities till next Friday. Right. So. So here we are. Yeah. I mean, I'm dressed in the usual way: polo and, shirt, jeans. And we should mention. You know, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but we're going to see little Jimmy tonight. We are. Little Jimmy Norton. I can't wait. It's going to be so funny. He wanted to go to a Yankee game, so he's never been to the new stadium. So, so I, he's he's I, looking forward to making his debut there. Yeah, I have a contact. I have a different comment, I'll tell I, you. After I that. have a contact that I only reach out to for special occasions because I don't like to abuse it, but he got him for... Good seats. Hmm. So hopefully I'll be able to hand them off to him at some point. Um, but, yeah, 
I, uh, I don't pull that card often, and I think the last time I did was back in 2012. So maybe every presidential election. I don't like. I don't like to do that either. And one time it. But was, I don't. I don't even go. I don't even use them. This is. This I is give a, them to people. This is a weird story. But so, um, two or three years ago, mm-hmm. two years ago, I think now, um, my wife and I were in Philly for. I had an alumni. I'm event. sorry. Thanks. I had an alumni event at school uh, at Temple. Um, and we were in Philly, and we were on the way home, and the Trenton Thunder were playing at home that night. Uh-huh. And it was superhero night. So okay. that was when they were wearing, like, the Spider-Man jerseys and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and Brendan Ryan was rehabbing, okay. actually, at the time. It was uh, – he was – I forget which injury it was that he was rehabbing, but he was rehabbing in Trenton at the time. So my wife and I were like, well, we're going to be in Philly till like, 4 or 5 o'clock. The game's at 7. Like, why don't we hang out a little? We'll get dinner. We'll go, we'll go check out a game because mm-hmm. she loves the dogs more than anything else, right. I think. Um, and Eric brought Derby over to, uh, t- awesome. to meet her you know, mm-hmm. just while we were sitting there. But um, So you know, we have a couple, of, a couple of friends down in Trenton, a couple of the beat writers and guys that work there. Dave Fenster, who we've known for a long time, mm-hmm. and Matt Cardos mm-hmm. works with MLB.com. As well, uh, we've known for a long time, some other guys, and, and the old PR director there, Bill Cook, has known us since way back. And so I bought tickets mm-hmm. to the game mm-hmm. and had three different people, one of which was affiliated with the team, ask me, why didn't you just ask me for tickets? I, I don't, it, that doesn't, I'm not like. Because they're $12. Well, because they're $12, <laughs> yeah. But like, I. Like, I'm not feeling, like, celebrity status. Like, hey, I'm going to come down. You want to give me some no, free seats? I'm like, not, I don't do I'm that. I'm not like that either. I'm not like so that So we, we paid our $24. He, yeah. Bill gave us a, a, a concessions voucher. He's like, well, you bought tickets here. Have a free hot dog or something. Like, which was nice of him. But uh-huh. I, I, I don't ask for that. Like, I don't expect to be treated like royalty no. when I go down there. I'm, I'm just a guy doing my job. Um, they we, do treat us very well, and oh, everywhere we go, God, yes, they all do. of the Yankees minor league affiliates treat us very well. Staten Island, Trenton. Speaking of Scranton, which we appreciate. Speaking of Scranton, May fourteenth, fifteenth, and sixteenth, they're playing the Indianapolis Indians, and my buddy Howard Kelman, who used to do the sideline for the Ivy League games, is their play-by-play announcer, celebrating his fortieth season. Wow! With the Indianapolis Indians, and this guy knows everything about the damn Yankees. When Larry Rothschild says to me, that guy should be a Yankee announcer because he knows more about this team than the people who are around this team. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a guy that we could actually have on the podcast and, and you would have a great time picking his brain. He is mm. tremendous and he has great pipes. But I was thinking maybe we could get out there, I could kill two birds with one stone, maybe we could take in Judge and then... Go do some stuff. Go do some stuff. You, and you, you, you know very well the, your boy is out there John now. John Sadak. Sadak. Yeah, yeah so. John had a great year. John did NFL yeah. playoffs. John did the uh, March Madness for Westwood One. and John was up for an award of some sort he was. for some of that, was he not? He was. I don't remember what exactly, and I, I apologize for that. But. I don't know if he won, <clears throat> but, you know, John and I have a relationship where I could just text him right now and say, hey, I need a credential. And he's, a, uh, he's a Rowan grad like yourself, yeah, so right? He'll give yeah, me so. a season credential, whatever I need, because yep. the play-by-play guy for Scranton is also the PR director. Yep. <laughs> you kind of wear multiple hats when you do things at minor league stadiums, and, and John is 
you're going to hear a lot from John <clears throat> yep. Sadak. John and me, his right, assistant right Darren Hedrick is also uh, we deal with a lot too. He's John. I think this is his second season of the four now. You know who I love on ESPN, by the way. Uh, who's who's the guy that does Sunday night play by play? I forget his name. Dan Shulman. Shulman. He's. I think he's tremendous. He's very good. Yeah. Not only is he very good, he's got a great. I I would kill for his voice. Kill for that voice. My voice stinks. Thanks for nodding to that. You're welcome, jackass. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, that that sounds like that sounds like a solid plan. That may be part yeah. of the the rail riders are doing a lot of legend stuff this year um, as well. So maybe we can go out like on a Friday because it's a night game. <clears throat> may 14th, 15th, and 16th. We can go out on a Friday. Maybe get a room in the area. I'm married, dude. Not together. No. And then stay. Then the next day's game is Saturday at four o'clock. I don't know if you want to do both, but yeah, May 14, 15, 16, or whatever is that's a Saturday, Sunday. So yeah, that's a weekend. Yeah, uh, Just, is that Mother's Day weekend? No, it's not. Yeah, no, the feasible. eighth, the eighth is Mother's Day. I checked. <laughs> Trust me. It sounds feasible. It's up to you. Whatever you want to do. Do I a just little work. We could do that. Yeah, get, get some Aaron Judge. Some maybe some ref. See how he's doing yeah, a third. Absolutely, it's it's good. It's like a month and a half into the season. If they're not up here, we might as well. Yeah, there'll be a lot of other guys that are worth. I mean, there's 25 guys there worth seeing, to be yeah. fair. But there'll be a lot of other guys worth checking into their stat eye. Ben Gamble as well. See if he's having another monster year down there. Gary Sanchez could still be there as well. Got Jake Cave back. He got you. He's in Trenton. so They sent him to Trenton. They sent him to Trenton, yeah. No room for him in that outfield. I yeah, mean, I guess. You got, you got Gamble, uh, Heathcott, mm-hmm. Judge. Williams when he's healthy. Yeah, and Puello, um, who played really well this spring. Excuse me. Um so that's uh, there's a lot of guys there that could be. Uh, they're piggybacking Nick Rumbelow and Tyler Webb as starters. Let's do it right now, which is interesting. Let's go! I'll tell Eric Roldan, our super producer and number one fan of the Chris Sheeran Show podcast. Maybe get a camera crew. Hmm. Do some do some damage. Do some work. I can operate a camera too. So all yeah, right, it's all good. I know how. Whatever. I learned, I learned at Temple. Let's keep costs down. <laughs> they Lou, love that around Lou here. Lou the camera guy. Uh, dude, I just want to. And go. a lot of those guys know me, which is good. Yeah, so that, I love helps. I love Scranton, and that's that's why I want you to come because I know if you come, I'll I'll have like a an in be with fun. the team. Yeah, it'd be fun. I have Sadak. You have the players. It's kind of funny. I, yeah, I had definitely have ref. Um, yeah, Judge knows me well too. Um, I did a sit down with him last year that never saw the light of day because he never got up here. And by the Snyder time, yeah, and by the time he got up here, ref yeah. Snyder. Yeah. Well, because you did it. He was here. Then he was here for four days. Then he came back. And he and it, left. Just, it was bad timing. Yeah. yeah. Um. The other day I'm standing – so Monday, quick story before we go. Yeah, absolutely. Monday I went to the stadium. I, I was unable – I was off on Tuesday. I had mm-hmm. some um, personal commitments to tend to. Gotcha. Um, but suffice to say they're all good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there Monday for the rain out, and the game got rained out about 20 minutes after I got there, which was kind of crazy. Loved your tweet. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I debated whether or not – I'm like, this game's going to get rained out. But I can't knock it. I have yeah, – it's my job. I there. have to do it. Absolutely. So the locker room was still open, regular time, and Joe Girardi still spoke to us. Mm-hmm. And as you saw, probably he's doing that initiative where he's wearing a different charity yes, T-shirt every day, which is awesome. I did. Um, the first day was Shriners Hospitals. I missed yesterday's mm-hmm. pregame press conference, so I don't know what he did. But, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm standing in the in the clubhouse at one point with with our good, close, dear, personal friend, as me and Gene are going to say, Larry Fleischer, mm-hmm. who works for the AP mm-hmm. and Sports Exchange. Um. And we're just standing over near Brian McCann's locker. Chase Headley had just talked because he was coming off the stomach bug. And McCann's there, and he's coming. And he just turns around, and he makes eye contact, and we're both, hey, what's up, Mac? The double fist bump. 
Really? Mac was pumped. Brian McCann was pumped about opening day. Was he pumped about the game being rained he out? He was not pumped about the game <laughs> being rained out. But he was – McCann was pumped about opening day, which is great. Like, I love it. Like, yeah. everyone thinks Brian McCann's kind of just this, like, even blah. keel, no, blah, fun no, police kind of guy. Definitely not. No. Mac was pumped. Him and Gardner are boys. You could tell that. Yeah. It's the hair well, or lack of it. Yeah. They have similar profiles. I love McCann. McCann's great. And McCann's one of those guys you want that gets fired up, the self-policing. We talked Absolutely. about Carlos Gomez. Yeah. I mean, there'll, there'll be no buddy-buddy there. No, We've talked about that no. often. But I like that. I like that. Have some fire. You know, stick up for your guys. That's what makes the – that's what, to me, that's what gives baseball that entertainment value. When there's a little bit of yep. – a little bit of McEnroe ha- happening. You also, need that. Also got a chance to – I actually got a little bit of an, initi- an initiative done too. We'll be doing a story. I'm going to spoil a little bit because it's only a week and a half away now. Uh, Jackie Robinson Day, April 15th. I'll be at the stadium. They're playing the Mariners uh-huh. um, that weekend. And, uh, and I'll be here doing Yankees batting yep. practice today. Uh, so I spoke to um, Aaron Hicks and Dellen Batances about Jackie Robinson, which was a cool combo uh-huh. with Aaron Hicks. Because, um, you know, Aaron Hicks wanted to be a golfer when he was growing up. And his dad – Made him. I wrote this story during the spring, mm-hmm. and you can go look for it on, on yesnetwork.com if you haven't seen it. But his dad, when he asked him if he could play Little League, said, okay, but you got to learn how to hit left-handed, which is why Aaron Hicks is a switch hitter. And so, Ron, so as a ball player, you know, I asked him, I was like, you know, what does you know, Jackie Robinson mean? You as an African-American ball player. And he got, had pretty good, you know, couple minutes of, of chat about that. Mm-hmm. So that'll be coming out. A.J. Herman is, uh, is on that. Paging um, Mr. Herman. Paging Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman, you have a telephone. <laughs> so that'll be out. Uh, we have... You know, some thoughts from CeCe, uh, Hicks, Dellen Batances, McCann. And I saw in Pride, Power, and Pinstripe, CeCe shooting hoops with Jack Curry. And uh, they brought up the whole home run posterizing and, and fist bump, you know, by pitcher thing. And CeCe, he said, if, he, said they, he said Ortiz is his friend. And if he strikes him out in a big spot, he's going to show him. Uh, and if he gets him and hits a home run, he can do whatever he wants. He has no problem with it. So I guess I should pipe down. When I'm wrong, I admit I'm wrong. And if those two are friends, and if that's the byplay between them, I was I was sticking up for CeCe, okay? Maybe I didn't know the ins and outs. I apologize. I'm not a, you know. I'm a man. I'm 40. Come right. at me. <laughs> Remember that press conference? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> Anyway, talk about practice. That actually got referenced the other day. My softball season starts next Wednesday. Practice? And uh, so the guy that runs it was um, talking about, you know, do you guys want to get together maybe this weekend and hit a ball mm-hmm. around practice? And somebody just posted the YouTube clip of Alan Iverson talking <laughs> about practice. So we were going on and on about some of the best press conferences ever. And that was, I'm a man, I'm 40, and they are who we thought they were. So crown their ass. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. You know, uh, playoffs. You kidding me? Uh-huh. Pretty much every Coors Light commercial plus Alan Iverson. Came up so fantastic. Those commercials need to come back. Those are fantastic. They do. All right, I think we did it. We the did magic it. hour. You know, when we were at 17 minutes. I didn't think we were going to do it. We always do it. No, we always do. We got it. off on the OJ Simpson rant. Yeah, happened. but you know what? That's good stuff. That's but good as stuff. we go on now, and you know, we've been off off and on for the last. You know, we did a podcast on February 29th. We did a podcast today, and we've done one in between. Yeah, but we had spring training. You were away. I was away. Because of schedules and and opening day and things like that. But now now we'll get back in the groove. Now we're back on our weekly routine. And and you're going to have to look at our ugly faces now from now on. I think the fact that we did two a week for the first two months of the the year. Dead time? Yeah. 
basically. Should have, should have carried you over for the six weeks where we did two. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. So. Uh, come on. Let's be honest. Let's be fair, Mike. Say something funny. Anyway. So, yeah. So, we'll we be back next week with a uh, – we'll have our Nets. We'll have a review of the Jim Norton show. We'll have our Nets wrap-up of the season. We'll talk anything, anything major that happens with the Yankees as well. We have to wait. After the show, too, he takes pictures with everybody. So I hope I hope you don't mind waiting for oh, a little that, bit. Uh, whatever. I don't have to be at work till 9.30 tomorrow, so I'm good. And we'll, as long as I get home by 8.15, I'm all right. good. You could, you could pull a Joe Oriama. No, come right out of the hot tub and go to work. <laughs> <laughs> to Joe's credit, he got Kevin and I meet in the lobby quarter to you, seven. Kevin and I... Khakis, yes shirts, ready to go to the ballpark down in Tampa. Did you call his room? Yeah. Do you want to go up and knock on his door? You think he's okay? As soon as I push on the armrest to get up out of my chair, there's Joe walking in from the hot tub like Tony Soprano with one towel around his neck and one towel around his bathing suit. He goes, what time is it? (laughs) We're like, 6.45. (laughs) To his credit, to that kid's credit, he went upstairs, no sleep. He was on no sleep, just like, just like Jerry when Kenny Rogers Roasters was across the street. I'm on no sleep. I'm on no sleep. Went upstairs, changed, was back down before 7 o'clock, worked the entire day, got everything done, got everything posted, and then just crashed out. Yep. To his credit. He might have been in the hot tub. <laughs> Ryan Rutherford was in there, too. But Ryan was going home. <laughs> yeah. Because there was no game that day. Joe had a week left. Yeah. <laughs> Say something funny. <laughs> that, I, that happened to me one time in Tampa, too. Again, quick story before we go. Oh, God. Uh, we, you know, we had some long nights in Tampa the first year I was there. <laughs> and I set my alarm to take a nap in the middle of the day before so that I knew we were going out. It was right. Melissa Newhart's birthday. Right. Um, so we were going out for with her for her birthday to have, celebrate and have some fun in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had set my alarm to take a nap knowing we were going to be out late. Like probably getting home at like 2 or 3 after the bars closed and have to be to work at 7 or 8. I never set my alarm back from night to – from p.m. to a.m. Mm-hmm. So when I set my alarm, I did set my alarm for 6.30, just p.m. So 6 – 45, 650, because we were supposed to meet in the lobby at 7. Mm-hmm. 7 o'clock, my phone rings. Hey, Lou, it's Melissa. We're all waiting for you. You coming down? Oh, yeah. I'm just finishing up getting dressed. Sorry, I lost track of time. I was dead asleep. Because oh my, my alarm never went off. I showered she's... and got dressed in 15 minutes and walked downstairs, and we were still on time to the ballpark. But my alarm never went off because I'd set it for 6.30 p.m. PM. Yeah, and I mean, I was we got home at 3, I, I, so I was definitely like asleep. I think that's happened to the best of us yeah. down in Tampa. But we still got everything done. There you go. Because that's we're professionals. I'll never like I could. I, need I to, can picture. I don't even have to close my eyes. I could see Joe with the two towels, like with that look. You know the look on his. I face. can see it, and I wasn't even there. Y- yes, look like you know that 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 exclaimed look. Oh, like, what time is it? Like he knew he was in doo doo. Yes, but at the same time, he played it off. The only way Joe Oriama could play something off and know he's in hot water at the same time. He just got out of hot water. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wasn't there, and I can see and, it, knowing and, Joe and, and Ryan, knowing that setup. Ryan walks in after and goes, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, my God. Good times. We could write a book one day. Well. When we don't work here anymore. Yeah, exactly. 
for Lou DiPietro, it's a good place to end everything. For Lou DiPietro, yes, on the Twitter machine. I'm the Chris Sheeran, yes, on the Twitter machine. We'll see you next time. God willing.